0: We cry out to our Father for mercy for our great nation. Forgive this nation, Lord, and have mercy on us. I cry out, Lord, and ask you to mute the voices of the evil and the wicked, Lord, of the deceivers and of those who are deceived. May our nation continue to stand in your glory and in your favor until the catching away of your church. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Welcome back to True Patriot Ministries. I'm Chris Holgerson. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure and join us every Wednesday for Ministry Shorts. That's five minutes or less with our favorite scriptures. And then every Sunday for our full-length podcasts. Be sure to share these podcasts with your family, your friends, your associates. And we do appreciate it when you share them. Helps to get the word out. Be sure and visit our website, truepatriotministries.org. Several pages you can go to, but the the blog page, we will post the notes from every episode on. And then you can also connect with us via the connect page, or you can connect via email at reach out. That's R-E-A-C-H-O-U-T at truepatriotministries.org. And I want to thank our partners for their generous contributions Uh, Your donations do help us to remain a debt-free ministry, and we do appreciate that. Now, if you feel led of the Lord to give or to partner with us, then I I would say just go to the website, to the Giving tab, and uh, we thank you in advance for your faithful giving. In today's episode, we are talking about the God I know and the God I desire to know. And this is personal for each of us. So let me share a little bit about my personal relationship with God. So when I think about God, who is God to me? Well, I like several verses in chapter 1 of Genesis. And let's kind of shoot down through these as, uh, as I explain. So in verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. To me, that's, that shows how big God is. I mean, He is the Creator Of this world and of this universe, the creator of heaven and earth. And he not only created it, but he sustains it. That's how big he is. There's nothing in this world that can defeat God or stand in his way. You look at verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion. And it says some more things, but he made us in his image. The creator created us to be like him and to have that same creative power. So he passed that, that power on to us and it's in our design. It's in our DNA, so to speak. And I just find that really, really neat, actually, you know, because we were made in his image. He didn't make us to be a cow or a pig or something else, but he made us to be in the image of him verse 28, God blessed them, man, and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. So he even gave us orders. He told us what he wants us to do. And he gave us the authority and the power to do it with. That's how big our God is. And God looked upon everything and he saw that it was very good. And that's down in verse 31. And here's what I want you to take away from that. This is what I get from that. God saw everything and it was very good. So before the fall of man, there was no evil in this world. Before the fall of man, we walked in unity and in peace with God and with this world. Now, when Adam fell, things changed. And we are in our present state, a fallen world and a fallen people. But he didn't leave us there. You know, we know God is all-knowing, all-seeing. He's everywhere. All, all at once. And God is right now. He is the God that was, that is, and shall be forever. And he's a God that loves me as much as he loves Jesus. And we can see this reflected in John chapter 17, verse 23. It says, I, Jesus is speaking, I in them and you, Father God, in me, that they may be perfect in unity, that, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So we know God loves us as much as he loved Jesus. And my God knew me and loved me even when I was his enemy. And when I read this, when I, when I see this and I read this, it, it just, it still amazes me to this day. It, it, I don't want to say it rattles me. Uh, it shakes me. Because when Adam fell and this world fell with him and all of us, we instantly became enemies of God because sin became between us and God. And now the created is actually doing and saying and behaving in ways that God never designed us to do. And that made us enemies to him. If you look at Romans chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 10, it says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How much more than being now justified by his blood shall we be saved from wrath through him? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more, being reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? Glory to God, that's so good. God loved us. He saw us as fallen. He knew he had to do something about this. And so he sacrificed Jesus Christ, where Jesus died for us, in order to get that sin out of the way so that we could be no longer enemies of God, but children of god and and that takes us right into God the Father, because we don't want to leave God as God, okay, because it, to me, when you look at God, if you're not careful, you can look at him as some inanimate object or um, this cruel God or a, a God who chooses when he wants to hear and not hear or see and not see and You know, the mysteries of God, we just can't understand them. And sometimes he does this and sometimes he does that. No, that's not God. That's man trying to reason out according to his own senses and emotions and feelings what he would do. And therefore, well, that must be what God would do. No, we're fallen. He's not. Don't forget that. There is a fallen nature in us. If you want to talk about suffering and tribulation, I believe, in my personal opinion, our greatest tribulation is that tribulation that we cause ourselves, that suffering we cause ourselves, because we have that fight between spirit, soul, and body, and we are a threefold man. So we have our spirit who's supposed to be in control, but if he's not exercised, if he's not strengthened, if he's not trained up, And we have trained ourselves up to allow our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions to control things. Then what we end up with is a spirit who is uh, tucked away for a lack of better ways to say it. And a soul, a reminder will emotions that is running rampant. It's in charge of everything, but it's going to go everywhere it can because it's fed by the five physical senses and it's the access point for the devil. So to me, that's our greatest tribulation is actually dealing with the battle between our spirit and our soul. That's why it's so important to refresh and renew your mind with the word of God. But you see, even when we were enemies, he loved us. And, and from there we go from knowing God as God to knowing God as God, the father. And how great is it that we can look to God, we can turn to God and we can say, you are my father. And if you're not familiar with that, here's some of the things that, that God, the father mean to me. And the first is that my God through Jesus Christ, he made a way back for me And in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 7, you can see this. It says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons to himself through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he graciously bestowed upon us, In the beloved, in him, we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. I really like that. You know, it shows us that God, he so loved us, right? That he chose us before the foundation of the world. And he predestined us to adoption through Jesus Christ. That it's so good. I mean, he was intentional about this. He didn't we could have been fallen man and he just said, Well, that failure, you know, that that failed. I don't want to do that again. But no, he created us to be in his image, and it was so important to him, the creator, that he looked upon us as vessels and said, No, I can I can purchase them back. They may have fallen, but I can get them back. And I want them. And he knew this from the beginning. And he is, he's fighting to make sure we do come back to him. And and to me, that's just such a, a vivid picture that he, he just, he never gave up on us. He didn't write me off. And he doesn't think that I'm of any lesser value than anybody else or greater value than anybody else. He looks at me and he says, I love you as I love my very own son. And I have this here for you so that when you receive Jesus, I can bring you in and make you my son again, and you can be my child, and we can have that fellowship, that intimate relationship that Jesus and I had, and that's what I want for you. And and to me, that is just precious. He, he did. He adopted me to be his son. If we look at Romans 8 15, it says, for you have not received the spirit of slavery again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry Abba, Father. So I have been adopted by God as his own son, and he's given me that right to call him Father. Glory to God. He desired me so much that he made a covenant, a contract with me with me, sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not familiar with blood covenants, I've referenced this many, many times over. Uh, you can get, it's called the blood covenant. I'm sitting here looking at it right now. E.W. Kenyon, the blood covenant, or you can go Kenneth Copeland. He's got one out called the covenant made by blood. Both of them are very good. E.W. Kenyon, I go to first simply because Kenneth Copeland references E.W. Kenyon in his books. So, it's always good to go to the one first and then to the other. But they will explain to you about the blood covenant and how vital this blood covenant was. But me, having read these two books and understanding the blood covenant so much better, I look at this blood covenant that he made with the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ sealed. You know, And if you visualize that wax seal and then the, the emperor or whoever it is takes their ring, their signet ring, and puts it in the hot wax and it seals the document, Well, that's what God and Jesus did here. God drew up the document. He drew up the covenant, the contract, and he says, I'm going to make you sons. I'm going to make you joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I'm going to make you the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. I'm going to make you victors, not victims. I'm going to make you the head and not the tail. I'm going to make you above and not beneath. I'm going to make you more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And I've got all these promises for you. And they're sealed in this contract, this covenant. And I'm sealing the covenant with the blood of my very own son, Jesus. That's heavy. That's That's got some impact. That really has a lot to it. And, and we cannot grasp that. And it just amazes me that he would do that for me. And if you think he doesn't know you personally, you're wrong he does he knows everything about you he knows the number of the hairs on your head so i know he knows your name i know he knows who you are and i know this if he loves me and he seeks after me then he loves you and he seeks after you too he doesn't discriminate and that's what i love about this this is so good look at first peter Chapter one, verses 18 through 19, it reads for, you know, that you were not redeemed for your vain way of life inherited from your fathers with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That is so good. And I know that his gift to me is his only begotten son, Jesus. Jesus if you look at John chapter three, verses 16 and 17, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's so good. He wasn't even looking at condemning us, but instead at redeeming us praise you, Jesus. That's so good. Now let's look at Jesus. This is God, the son. So we've, we've met God, the father briefly. Now we're going to briefly meet God, the son. And one of the things that attracted me to him is that Jesus is the gift of life that God gave to the world. And when you stop and you think about the gift of life, you got to remember now man's fallen. So in my prior state, I was a fallen man and there was the barrier of sin and death between God and I. And so I could not have that intimate relationship with him that I can now because Jesus was the gift of life that I needed and God provided. You look at Romans chapter eight, verses one and two, it says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. And that is so good. That is so good. And Jesus, what else is he to me? He was born of a virgin by the Holy Spirit, and he lived in this world as a threefold man. And I know there are those people out there who think he lived in this world as God, or he lived in this world as as some half mortal half God and and whatnot, and we're not talking Greek mythology here, okay? We are talking biblical truth. and Jesus walked this earth as threefold man. He had to because in order to redeem us, he had to be us. and you can't come in and redeem us, the threefold man by being anything less or greater than the threefold man. It just doesn't work. So in Matthew chapter one, verse 18, it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ happened this way. After his mother, Mary was engaged to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child by the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 12, and I'm looking at verses 24 and 27, 24 says, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears fruit. Now, my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Instead, for this reason, I came to this hour. Now, in these two verses, we see what Jesus is saying is unless, unless I die, because he's referring to himself as a grain of wheat, unless it falls to the ground and dies, It's going to remain alone. When he talks about him, his soul being troubled, what shall I say? Shall I not do this? No, I must do this. This is the reason I came. I must die that I may be multiplied. And he is multiplied through us. We have been made joint heirs with Jesus Christ through him. Glory to God. So he has been multiplied. He developed Jesus developed such an intimate relationship with the father that he could see what the father did and he could hear what the father did say. And to me, this is amazing. Okay, so you got to stop and think, well, let's take the woman who got caught in the act of adultery. And I use this one quite often, but it's easy. They bring her before Jesus and they're trying to trick him and they're saying, okay, she committed adultery by the law of Moses. We're supposed to stone her to death. What do you say? And Jesus didn't answer right away. Now, this is my personal thought, and this is subjection, and you don't have to receive it if you don't want to, but I'm going to assume that Jesus, as he bent over and was drawing in the dirt, he wasn't just being rude to them, but he was turning them off and turning God on so that he could answer properly because God knows the hearts of men. And as he was communicating with God And listening to God, he got the answer. And what's he say to the guys? He says to the guys, look, he who has not sinned, cast the first stone. It was done right then. They had no answer. And the reason that worked out so well, I believe, is because Jesus was waiting on God to show him or tell him what to say. And that's so vital, that intimate relationship. And because we're joint heirs with Jesus and we're adopted children, I'm looking at this and I'm going, I can have, I can have that intimate relationship. That's mine. I can have that. Now I've got to develop it. And you have to think about it. Don't assume that Jesus just automatically had this relationship. Yes. He's, he's God, the son born of the Holy spirit and a virgin. But he walked the earth as a threefold man. Remember back when he was 12 and he was in the synagogues and they were amazed at him? He spent three days in the synagogues and his parents finally caught up to him and found him and said, what have you been doing? And he said, hey, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? So he has been his whole life developing this intimacy with with his father, with God. And and we can do the same. It's up to us. If we want to reach out and develop this intimacy, God's a gentleman. He's not going to intrude on our life. He wants us to seek him. And it's so good. So we look at this and we see in John chapter five, verse 19, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, likewise, the son does. And in John chapter 12, verse 49, it says, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And here's something else I like about Jesus. I mean, it just really gets me going. Jesus, the son, he loved man so much that he allowed himself to be the seal and the covenant that God extended to us. I alluded to this before, and I'm going to show you some scriptures right here, but he willingly, and we saw God, God had to provide the son as the living sacrifice, right? But Jesus, the living sacrifice had to decide of his own free will that yes, he was going to do what God, the father wanted him to do. And you see in revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their own lives unto death. Now in Matthew chapter 26, verses 27, 28, we see that then he took the cup. This is Jesus took the cup. And after he gave thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. He even tells us, he shows us through scripture. This is what I'm doing for you. His love for us is true. And, and this is incredible. I mean, it just, I am always amazed because I don't believe there's a man walking this earth that would go as far as Jesus did. And there's definitely not a man on this earth that could do what Jesus did. That's why Jesus had to do it. And he did it willingly. A lot of men can't even make the decision and stick to it to get up and go to church on a Sunday morning. And so they have free will, but they, they can't control themselves. They can't discipline themselves to do what it is they ought to do. So instead, they stay home and watch football games. Or they stay home and they watch baseball games. Or they stay home and they do this. Or they stay home and they do that. They don't partake of what the Lord's got for them. And so, yeah, when we look at Jesus and we go, yeah, he did this of his own free will. We need to understand if it's hard for us to get our butts to church on Sunday, then we we should be able to put this in perspective as to how hard this was for him to do. Now, lastly, I want to look at God, the Holy Spirit. So we've covered God, the Father, God, the Son, and now we're going to cover God, the Holy Spirit. And this these are the things I am very fond of, what I like, I enjoy about them. So one, the Holy Spirit came to live in me. And when the Holy Spirit came to live in me, he brought God's love with Him and the faith of God. And so those are God's grace, God's gift to us when we receive Jesus Christ's love and his love and his faith. And it's ours because we have free will to do with as we please. Now, it's designed to work certain ways. And so if we don't please to do it the right way, then it won't necessarily work for us. But let's look at John chapter 7, verse 37 and 39. And it says, On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. By this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believe in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And that last part there, Jesus was not yet glorified. He had not been crucified. He wasn't buried. He hadn't been resurrected yet. So the Holy Spirit hadn't come to indwell anybody yet. But he's showing us here what the Holy Spirit's going to do. You know, he refers to him as rivers of living water. How good is that? And in Romans chapter five, verse five, again, he says, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit Who has been given to us. So when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, He sends the Holy Spirit to us. And right here it shows us that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And that's agape love. That's different. And we'll study on that sometime, but just know that agape love is different than manly love. It's the love of God. Glory be to God. Romans 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone among you, do not think more highly of yourselves than you ought, but to think with sound judgment, according to the measure of faith God has distributed to every man. So when we receive Jesus, God's right there, Johnny, on the spot, and he is giving to us the measure of faith. It's a gift to us. Glory to God. And, and it's our responsibility to exercise it and to strengthen it and to know it, to understand it, um, to feed our faith, so to speak. And look at Ephesians 2, let's look at verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. Glory be to God. This is so good because it's by grace and it's through faith. He gave us the faith just so that we could get to even this part. We are his workmanship. Okay. When, when you think about uh, a potter and he's potting wheel and and he's working it, or a farmer who works his land, I mean that's we're that workmanship of God, and He's taken the time to to mold us and to to do what's necessary to get us where you know we can we we still have the choices, so we can be good good or bad. Either way, we can. Listen or not listen, but he's, he's working with us. And when we accept his help, he's, he's doing a little bit of molding here, a little trimming there. It's, it's just so good. We don't even have to do it. We just have to authorize God to jump in there and do it for us. Do you understand that you can't change yourself? If you could, you'd have done it already. Yes, we can create new habits and, and hopefully forget old habits and, and those kinds of things. But to truly change a person, you change them from the spirit to the soul, to the body. And we don't have the authority ourselves to do that. Only God does. But we can give him authority to work in our life. That is awesome. I used to smoke a lot. Cigarettes, cigars, didn't matter. I smoked. And one year, I worked it out with the Lord, and he and I came to an agreement, and I put true effort into it, and he came alongside me. And do you know to this day, and I haven't smoked in years, to this day, I cannot stand the smell of smoke. I had before this quit on my own without God many times, but the craving never left me. And the smell was there and it would entice me or I would eat a meal and I'd want one after a meal. But it doesn't attract me anymore. It doesn't entice me. There's nothing there because I let God come in alongside me. I asked him to come in alongside me and help me with this. And he did. And I cannot stand the smell of a cigarette. And so I have, he helped me to get rid of it. And he can do the same thing for you. Whatever you're dealing with, he can help you. You just can't do it on your own. Invite him in. I did. I mean, it's worked out great for me. Um, I can't tell you how many thousands of dollars I've saved on not buying cigarettes. So let me move on from there. Now, what else is the Holy Spirit to me? And here's one of my favorite parts of the Holy Spirit. He's my comforter. He's my counselor, my teacher. He's my memory. So let me, before I delve into why, or the verses that back that up, but let's let's talk about in the Greek, the word parakletos, which is the word for the Holy Spirit, uh, for the comforter. Now, if you look at this and it's Strong's, it's the Greek and the number is 3875. If you have a concordance, you can look it up. So the Strong's definition means it's an intercessor, a consular, an advocate, a comforter. And in Thayer's, it says summoned, called to one's side, called to one's aid, one who pleads another's cause before a judge, a pleader, a counsel for defense, a legal assistant, an advocate, one who pleads another's cause with one, an intercessor of Christ in his exaltation at God's right hand, pleading with God the Father for the pardon of our sins. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And you just keep reading down further and further in this strong Concordance on this word that describes the Holy Spirit in this position, and you just know he's there to help you in so many ways. It's not just a comforter. It's not just a counselor, but it's so much more. So let's look at John chapter 14, verse 26, and it says, but the helper and this is in the Amplified, so they add a little bit to it. So they take the Greek and they kind of expand on it a little bit. But the Helper, the Comforter, the Advocate, the Intercessor, the Counselor, the Strengthener, the Standby, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and to act on my behalf, He will teach you all things, and He will help you remember everything that I have told you. Glory to God. And you look at Luke chapter 12, verse 12, it says, For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. And just so you understand that this is for everybody, let's go to Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says, When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were illiterate and uneducated men, they marveled and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. We don't have to be these brilliant men and women in order to operate in Jesus. That can actually be a hindrance sometimes because your intellect actually gets in the way of your spirit. Jesus told us, come to me like a little child, innocent, like a little child, naive, like a little child and believe on me. And you will be amazed at the things you do. And, and that's, That's where we've got to get to. And that is just so, I mean, I I hear that and I think, gosh, here's Peter and John. and, And it says they were illiterate and uneducated. And yet the Holy Spirit, he told them what to say. That means they were listening. They were listening to the Holy Spirit and they knew what to say. And it amazed the Sadducees. And they were not easily amazed for they were men of Scripture. They knew the Scriptures. They just didn't recognize Jesus when he came. Glory to God. So what else is the Holy Spirit to me? He's the power of God in me. That helped me a lot. Learning that helped me a lot because what I realized is I'm not the power and I'm not the source. God's my source. God is my source for everything. And the Holy Spirit in me, he's the power of God in me. So I don't have to worry about it. I mean, okay, let's let's talk about Iron Man for a second. Think of the power of God as that white crystal that he's got in his suit that just powers everything in the world, right? He's got that in his chest, excuse me, and it powers everything. That just gives you kind of a visual. That's the Holy Spirit in you. He is the power of God. We just have to learn how to communicate with him and how to hear from him and how to do what he says to do and let him work. And we're going to be amazed. He's just, he is amazing. So let's look at some verses about the power of God in me. So let's start in Romans chapter eight. Let's look at verse 14 and 17. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That's us. Born again believers, sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery again to fear, But you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That's right. That's my father. Glory to God. I'm a child of God. He's my father. 16. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So now the Holy Spirit in us is bearing witness with our spirit that we are indeed children of God. We have been received. 17. And if children, then heirs heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. And trust me, our suffering is nothing like what Jesus went through, or it wouldn't have been of any value for him to go through them. So you don't have to worry about being whipped and scourged and beaten and crucified, but we don't have to go through all of that. We don't have to go through the beating and the humiliation and all of that. He did it for us. We don't have to do those again. But our suffering, our tribulation, it's slight compared to what Jesus went through. We're going to have people ridiculing us. We're going to have people persecuting us. They're going to have people coming after us, but they can't hurt us beyond death. Glory to God. And Jesus took our punishment, right? So we don't have to worry about that. But we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And if he claimed victory over the devil, then that victory that he claimed as a joint heir, I can claim. His victory is my victory. Praise the Lord. And so, and if I miss out, then I have to remind myself, but I try to come at everything. I I desire to come at everything from a position of victory because I'm a joint heir in Jesus Christ and Jesus has the victory over the devil. Now look at first John verse four, four through six. This is a good verse. This verse, I I learned verse four early on and I kept it with me. And every time that I felt like I was under attack uh, or I wasn't happy with something that was in the world and I was feeling pressure, I would go to this verse and it would help me get beyond it. So let me read this verse four. So first John four, four, you are of God, little children and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now there's more to this because I got by verse five and six down here also, but get that in you greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That means that the Holy spirit in you, because he is part of God. He is God. He is greater than anything in this world. And he's in you. He's in me. So when things get hectic and crazy and, and out of control, I can stop and I can say to myself, wait a minute, wait a minute. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I don't need to take this. I don't receive this. Time out. I'm going to go get in the word. I'm going to go into praise and worship, whatever it is. And I'm, I'm going beyond this because this is not mine. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Praise you, Jesus. Now, if you go on, you look at verse five, it says, they are of the world and therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are of God and whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not of God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Glory to God. That is so good. This is the God I know. And this is just brief. He's God the father. He loves me. And he, he's not biased. He doesn't, do you know, do you want to know what God cares about? In a nutshell, God cares about you. I already know he cares about me. I've received that. I'm growing in it every day and I love him. And so we already have that intimate relationship, but I want you to know he loves you. And He's waiting on you to call upon Him to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior so that you can have the very same intimate relationship with Him that so many people do have. And it's, it's valuable. He gave the greatest gift in this world that He could have ever given. He gave us life through Jesus. Glory to God. He gave us a way back into the garden. And then he says, look, I still trust you. I still love you. The blessing is still there and it's still waiting to go to work. I created you in my image. And the original plan was to subdue, to replenish, to multiply, to grow the Garden of Eden, to replenish the earth. And I know there's a lot of area in the earth that still need to be replenished. So I know that that has not been completed and we're not relieved of that. That's still a task for us to do. And glory to God. Let's have fun doing it. Know that he loves you. If he can love me, he can love you. And maybe you're thinking, hey, but you don't know me. It's okay. I don't need to. God does. God does know you. There is not a thing in your heart that is hidden from him. He already knows you. He knows you intimately inside and out. Now he wants that relationship with you. He wants that fellowship with you. He wants to go beyond knowing each other's names. And he wants to get to the point where you can walk in the cool of the day with the Lord, our God. He desires to walk with you. Praise Jesus. That's good. Mm. I don't know what you're waiting on. He already knows you. There's nothing in your life that can embarrass you in front of God because he already knows it. So don't get hung up on that. Now, highly recommend you go out. If you don't have one, go get you a good Bible. Shop around Get a digital one if you want to find out what they're like first before, because maybe you've got a version of the Bible that you understand better. And I'll be honest with you. Look, my first Bible was an NIV Quest Bible. And I had no idea what I was looking for, but it had a lot of pretty pictures in it. And it had a lot of explanations in it and it had some study guides in it and it helped me. And then I moved from there into a new King James and I've got a, a King James And I've got an MEV, a modern English version. And on my digital, I've got several. The Young's Literal. I've got the Amplified, the Amplified Classic, the NASB, NLT, the Passion. There's so many of them out there. Before you buy your first Bible or you get your first Bible, check them out. See which one that is going to help you the most right off the bat. And I hope that makes sense. And then you know, be open to other, don't get locked into, there's only one Bible and, you know, that's the one I got to have. No, there is only one Bible. Glory to God. But there are different translations of it. And some of the translations, while none of them are hundred percent accurate, because you're going from Hebrew to English, you're going from Greek to English, and sometimes things get lost in translation or they get weakened in translation. There are several good translations out there and you just need to find the one that's going to help you grow right now. And if you're like me, what you'll find is right now becomes, ooh, I've outgrown this one. Or I I still like this one, but I like this one. And that's what I want to be in right now. And you get into a different version. There's nothing that says you can't have five, six, seven, eight, 20 different kinds of Bibles. Just make sure you're following scripture and you're making sure that the scripture is correct. It's not a paraphrase. There are some out there that aren't Bibles, really. They're a paraphrase of the Bible. Um, So there is a difference. Okay. You want a translation of the Bible, not a paraphrase. But get you a good Bible and sit down and read it. There's so much in it. And if you really want to get some hope quick, start reading the Psalms. Uh, one of the tricks that I had a coach teach me was first starting a New Testament because you're new and you want to get used to the New Testament first. You want to know about Jesus and the Gospels and you want to know about the Epistles, the letters, and epistles means the letters to the church. And you want to know about those things before you delve into the Old Testament where you're going to get a lot of history. Okay, let's learn about the here and now first, and then we'll jump into history, and it'll it'll you'll have something to compare it to, and it'll start making sense. And then while you're reading the New Testament, make sure you're reading. Uh, and the way I did it, the way the coach taught me was to take and read one psalm, and one proverb every day. And that way you're going through the Psalms and the Proverbs at the same time. And then read a chapter in the Bible uh, where you can get on with one of the churches or your church. And and if you don't have a good church, then find one. But get in there and and start reading the word of God. Not just in church. Do it outside of church. And I think you'll really, you'll see you're starting to grow. You'll start developing that relationship with God. And don't be afraid to talk to him. Now, he's not going to speak back to you audibly. Okay. That is something that does not happen. That's a rarity. Let's call it that. What you will receive is a witness in the spirit or a knowing, or, you know, I don't know how else to say it, but it's not audible. It may seem audible sometimes, but it's not audible but he'll communicate with you. Okay. And don't get caught up on audible or not audible. Don't go seeking voices. Just talk to God, talk to him like you would a father and let him talk to you like, like he would to a child and receive it. And when you're communicating with God, if you, if something comes up in you or you receive something, always compare it to the word of God. God's not going to go against his own word. Okay. So if you get something and you jot it down and then you go back later and you look in the word of God and you see that it contradicts what the word says and you get some help and they say, yes, it does contradict what the word says, then throw it out. You see the devil knows scripture too, and he's tricky. He can get in there and he he likes to deceive and twist and manipulate things. So don't let him just throw it out and you're fine. But if it lines up with the word of God and congratulations, you're talking to God. And that's very cool. That is, I know, very cool. That's kind of a lame term, but uh, maybe it shows my age. I don't know. But it's something to be desired. That intimate relationship with God. Where you can sit down and even though he already knows all about you, you can sit down and spill your woes out to him. Which makes you feel better. And then he's going to start showing you things. Or maybe you got something that's, that's ailing you or troubling you or bothering you, whatever it is. And, and, it, and that one particular thing seems to come up so often and, and you just go, Lord, I'm so tired of this. Help me to get beyond this. And then shut up and listen. He will help you get beyond it. I don't know what the time limit is on that, I couldn't, couldn't begin to tell you, but he'll help you. That's what he does. That's what a father does. Any good father is going to help his son. Glory to God. So you can see what God is to me. God, God's everything. He's first in my life. I have a vertical alignment. And I recommend that you grab onto the vertical alignment. And that is that God is first. And then, so I'm married, so I'm going to use that as a reference. So it's God first, then my wife. And then my family. And then other things, job, those kinds of things. But I don't put my wife above God. And I don't put my family above God. Because then I make God powerless. For God to be the ultimate power. In my life, he has got to be number one. And it's much easier than we think it is because we think it's this, oh my gosh, I got to make him number one. So everything I got to do is according to him, blah, 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 And we make it out to be some human ordeal. Guys, get over it. God is number one. Just simply give him time and listen to him. Just give him time and listen to him. But God loves you. I love you. And Jesus is most definitely the Lord. Mm. Glory be to God. What a Christmas season. I pray you've had a blessed Christmas season. And I pray that you have a blessed new year. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you desire to speak to me every day guiding me in spirit and in truth to obey your word and enjoy an abundant life. I thank you that you have called me your friend and that I may come boldly to the throne of grace to find help whenever I have a need in my life. Lord, your word says that when we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So I draw near to you today. I seek your face, your truth, and your word for my life. I want to know you more, hear you more, and obey you more. Your word says your sheep know your voice, and we will not follow the voice of a stranger. Help me to know your voice and not be deceived by any other voice. Help me to guard my heart from the influences of this world and the people around me. Help me not to be deceived by the devil and his lies, but to view all thoughts and decisions through the lens of your righteousness. As I seek to hear you today for instruction, correction, and guidance, help me to confirm your voice through your word. You said if I ask for wisdom, you will give it to me liberally. So I am asking for wisdom in the name of Jesus to hear you clearly And consistently today and every day, help me, Lord, to feel confident in knowing that I hear your voice. I praise you and I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.